Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam, and you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka! My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan, Rampage the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. All right. Hey, everybody. Todd Mitchell here. It is Game Dev Breakdown. It is time for some Game Dev Talk. And talk is what we're going to do. Because we have a little interesting news story that's sort of unfolded over the last week or so. I've been following, kind of curious to see what all parties were going to say and do before I talked about this. But it's about a game I like, which is Golden Axe. Which I'm sure you figured out before you hit the play button. But I love Golden Axe. My friends love Golden Axe. Everybody loves Golden Axe. Real quick first, thanks for the uh, feedback on the previous episode. I know it was going to be a little controversial. I didn't entirely know what to expect. The uh, The folks who have gotten in touch have been... You guys seem to get it. You guys seem to get it. I know that I'm not going to hit home with absolutely everything I put out there, but I am continuously blown away. You don't have to agree with me. I appreciate that many people listen to me who don't necessarily agree with everything I say. And it would be weird if you did. But y'all give me a chance. People give me a chance to state my case, and I appreciate that. So, I had a little feedback on the Code Right Play Discord from Chasers Gaming, who said basically just that. Like, hey, good, great. Left me a little conflicted at points, because he said that he plays a lot of prototypes for other developers, and as part of his social media presence, he gives feedback on stuff like that, and he's worried about finding the right balance between... Constructive criticism, what's too harsh, what's too nice. You know, if you're too nice to people, sometimes they don't hear what they need to hear. And they get a little overconfident about something that maybe you uh, you want to spare people embarrassment. So that's why we have constructive criticism. He does this and he's worried that, you know, sometimes maybe he's uh, turning certain people off, kind of giving them a, a bad opinion. I could have talked about finding the right balance because I don't think you can realistically strive to keep everyone happy at all times. I don't think that's healthy for you or for them. And no one's going to love every, every word out of your mouth ever. If I was having basic communication with somebody brought up something, they might change in their game. You know, we all know how to be nice for the most part, how to present something kindly. If someone's offended by that or, or they're hurt by that and they decide they don't want to be friends anymore. Uh, I said in my case, you know, as long as I tried to deliver that with kindness, and if somebody came to me and said, like, hey, that was a little harsh, I, I would apologize. Sorry, that was completely meant in kindness. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't dumping on you or anything like that. I don't want you to be upset. And if uh, if I started that way, responded that way, if they said they were upset and they were still upset, it's probably okay if we part ways, you know. I'll never keep you happy. If my honest and sincere communication turns you off and my sincere apology turns you off it would have only been a matter of time before something worse probably would have happened like i i can't i can't keep a person like that happy so if if i came across like i was just bending over backwards at all times to give people 100% of my time and attention regardless of how, how they received or interpreted anything you, you can't keep somebody like that please. So it's important for me to point out there is a balance to strike and you'll, you'll have a better sense of that than I will. So uh, chasers uh, tip of the cap to you. Good, good point. Good call out. 
And with that, let's dig into our story because it's kind of interesting. Like I said, I love Golden Axe. And Sega is apparently celebrating its 60th anniversary. I was mentioning on Twitter that it's, it's really entertaining to me that stylistically, you're supposed to put SEGA in all caps, S-E-G-A, but it's not an acronym. It doesn't stand for anything. The letters don't stand for anything. It's an abbreviation of service games. It was actually an American guy who was in the military who started the company. I, I, I feel like a lot of people get the sense that it was started in Asia. That's not true. That was, it was started in the U.S., I think in like Hawaii. I forget who wrote about this. I read about this, I'm sure, in Console Wars and a couple other books that came out around that time, uh, all telling Sega's story in one, one shape or another. But that, that's a funny thing. So they've been around 60 years. That's a long time for a company that has done video games most of that time. They started with mechanical games and uh, you know more amusement-type stuff, but they moved to games pretty quick. Back in the golden age of arcade times, they released Golden Axe, which is awesome. If you haven't played Golden Axe, you have to. It's just a weird, quirky fantasy. It's just very fun and very goofy. And I love the vibe of the music. Like I was just playing the soundtrack on YouTube in the background, put my own words in, you know. I love that music and I love the game. It apparently occurred to Sega. How do I dive into this? To celebrate the 60th anniversary, Sega, just out of nowhere, added a listing to Steam titled Golden Axed, a cancelled prototype. That's the whole title. If you look at this page, it's got a uh, description. A summary of this is, at the beginning of the decade, Sega Australia worked on classic IP reboots. So they were uh, sort of revitalizing some of their old intellectual property, and they called this initiative Sega Reborn. And I kind of remember that. I kind of remember like earlier on Twitter, they were, I feel like they were hinting at that and following people in the game industry and stuff. And I think they followed me at one point. Apparently, Sega Studios in Australia was a, a big part of this, trying to get some of these projects off the ground. They were, I guess, it's very hard for me to piece this together, even though I've spent a bunch of time with it already. I can't figure out like if they were taking in prototypes from external developers like subcontracting outside that studio. I think that's what this was. But basically, Sega said, hey, as a special treat here in the present day, we are releasing a prototype we we had made way back then so that we could, you know, in an effort to continue this Sega Reborn project, we were going to do a Golden Axe game. We had a prototype. Uh, It got canceled, but here it is. You can download one level which is, they call it a vertical slice. Hey, if you don't know the vertical slice concept, here's what it is in a nutshell, because people were foggy on this idea. Picture a video game like <laughs> like a big piece of lasagna, because lasagna has layers, right? So you've got your audio layer, your graphics, your networking code, like every major component of a video game. Think of that as a layer in the lasagna piece. So a vertical slice demo, or if they just call it a vertical slice, there are whole studios that specialize in this. They basically take each one of those layers, apply it to say level one of your game. And when they say vertical slice, they mean a fully playable piece of the game that looks like it's complete. So instead of going like, I've got this prototype, it's just a man on a black background And he walks around and he's animated, but there's nothing else done yet. That's just one layer. 
That's like probably two layers. If you get the whole level one done and no other part of the game surrounding this level one is done, now you're talking vertical slice demo. So that's what they had this, I guess, external team doing. Or if I if I have misunderstood this, then what it is is they had a team within Sega Australia do this, I guess. Either either way, it's it's about the same in in terms of story, so it doesn't really matter. So what happened was they said, "Here's this thing," and initially they they had on the Steam page like it's buggy and janky, but here it is. It's a look at history. Enjoy. And that's all they really said about it. They said they had reached out to the original dev team and they didn't say what the consequence of that was. They said, we reached out to the original dev team, dot, dot, dot. Here it is. So it's it's odd that they brought that up at all. It's unclear why or what it meant. So this unfolds over on the Twitter side. This is initially how this came to my attention a tweet from one Tim Dawson at Ironic Account on Twitter, who apparently developed Assault Android Cactus, which is a funny name if you're not familiar with the game, but if you've played the game, you know it is awesome. He made a one of my favorite indies from the last few years. I really like Assault Android Cactus. I think it was one of the Xbox games with gold not too, too long ago because I played the crap out of it and I got several of my friends too as well. So I think it was free at some point. That's how I got them to play. But he was apparently, well, here's here's what he says. He said he was surprised to learn Sega was releasing a prototype he produced in 2013 under crunch conditions. Okay, well, I understand bringing up crunch if you crunched, but crunch doesn't really have anything to do with that. I'm going to sound like I'm coming down harshly on Tim. Again, I'm, I'm a fan of Tim's work, for sure but I want to try to evaluate all sides of this story objectively. And to do that, I kind of have to put the brakes on some of the heat that uh, Tim puts on his tweets here, because some of it is kind of very emotional and very accusatory. And and I don't feel like all the accusations are completely, I, I can't say they're not fair and I can't say they're not true, but I think they're a little extra. They're a little extra. So let's, let's check out what he says. Says he produced this thing in 2013 under crunch conditions. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing his many tweets here, but he says the project was a nightmare. He never heard from anyone at Sega about this. Okay. I mean, they said they reached out to the team. They didn't say they reached out to Tim. So fair enough. But he said just suddenly it was released. Their credits were removed and a joke title sequence was added. This is true. Uh, he had a screenshot of what the title sequence looked like in this demo at first. And it just, of course, said Golden Axe because he was trying to make a prototype for Golden Axe. He had his studio name on the bottom. I guess he was an external studio team. They had a different logo on the bottom, like in the corner. That was removed. There are side-by-side screenshots you can see. Nobody seems to deny that. Sega, I guess, when they were porting this to PC so they could release it, the joke was that when Golden Axe comes up on the screen, it bumps over to the left and adds a D at the end. So Golden Axed, like they axed the game. Okay, like that's kind of a, if, if it's made by an external team, that's not a great joke to make. Like, ahaha, we fired them, basically. Anyway, he says he and a partner had done a prototype for, quote, the studio, which I, I believe is, he's talking about Sega Studios Australia. And he said a producer they had worked with before asked them for a vertical slice demo for an internal pitch. So they were 
having an external team, if I'm understanding right, do this demo, and then Sega was going to use it internally to pitch further up the chain, I guess, to see about making this prototype into a complete game, which would have been a modern 3D Golden Axe, which would have been awesome. That would have been really great. I don't think any Golden Axe fan wouldn't have wanted that. Unfortunately, Sega Studios Australia said, we need this in two weeks. A full 3D demo of a recognizable game looking looking complete and polished in two weeks. That's going to come up later because that's as drastic as it sounds. So he says elsewhere that he had a team of artists, animators, and sound designers. That's important later too. It sounds like he had a decent sized team. He uh, goes on to complain about a quote, lead designer who thought he was designing it. And this is confusing because I'm not entirely sure what Tim's role was. And I don't know why the lead designer would not be designing the prototype. He says, quote, he, again, I think he's talking about the lead designer, but I'm not sure. He says he invented arbitrary scheduling challenges. He may have been talking about the producer. This is why this is confusing and why, like, I could have gone for a little less emotion and a little more detail. And I I have to be fair. I don't, for all I know, he runs a blog or he's written a lengthy article on Gamma Sutra. I didn't find any of that. I just found these tweets. So he says there were weird scheduling challenges. Like one day he came and said, Oh, if we don't have this certain combat thing done, they're going to decide the project is trouble. I guess it depends on, like, if you're doing that as a power play, that's bad. If you're on a two-week timeline, you know, things are very crunched anyway, and you could make a case that, like, let the people do whatever they're doing. Or you could make the other case, like, you you do need to set some targets and make sure certain things are done at certain points. So it's hard to say where the fair line is here. He says at the same time, it came up that he, whoever he is, wanted to branch the repository and do a Streets of Rage demo at the same time. Now, and he said he, like, called somebody at two in the morning to get that stopped. There was a lot of politics going on. I've got to play devil's advocate again here and say, I looked at the demo for, for Golden Axe, the prototype, Golden Axed, if you, if you want to use Sega's name for it, and I could kind of see it. I could kind of see how this could have turned into, like, obviously with a different uh, coat of paint, I could see how this could work for Streets of Rage as well. I I don't think that was entirely unfair. Just the workload involved would be very crazy. But technology-wise, it it actually kind of made sense. He says that Sega initially called the demo a janky, buggy, artifact of its time in the Steam description, which is, again, not great if they had an external team do this. That's kind of mean. And he said that it was a surprise to everyone he knows who worked on it. But there's still room for both sides to be telling the truth. Like, I I don't know if he talks to every single person who was involved floor to ceiling on this thing, wall to wall. So I feel like there's room that maybe the lead designer who he's not on good terms with, or maybe the producer they were working for. Like, Sega probably did talk to somebody if they said this. Basically, Tim's point is that he was, like, so paramount to the development of this thing. Like, he coded the whole thing from scratch, he says... His partner, who was the other designer, this is all so unclear. But that person says, like, this was all, like, I was in charge of design, Tim was in charge of code, and, you know, you got to go through us, basically. They didn't say that, but that was the point. But again, Tim says there was a a big team. So, like, look, I I get that you're pivotal to the project, but I don't understand levying the accusation at Sega, like, there's no way you did what you said you did. Like, and they probably talked to somebody. 
Enjoy basketball, soccer, and all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using bonus code CAPITAL and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Plus, when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter bonus code CAPITAL and place your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Now you're winning with the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So, I read this, I saw this, and I, I thought... That's all pretty crazy. Not what he was saying, not him, but it's what's being said is very surprising. And like the situation is crazy, probably either way at this point. So I just kind of sat on that and watched what happened. Sure enough, Polygon releases an article titled Sega apologizes for calling Crunchborn Golden Axe game, quote, janky and buggy. And in this article, they quote uh, Tim's partner, who uh, was also on Twitter, uh, named Santana Mishra, I believe. And Santana says, I, being Santana, was in charge of design. And Tim programmed the game from scratch. So they don't know what Sega means. They reached out to the original team. Well, again, we've got the same problem. You're two people. Tim says there was a big team. And there are people Sega could have talked to to make this true. Whether or not you guys were more crucial to the project, I don't deny that. It's just a weird thing to keep arguing about. Like, I don't understand the, the point of continuously uh, bringing up this, this point of it. It's no longer your project, right? That's not fun, but when you're an external studio and a prototype is commissioned, when it's done, it's done. You turn it over and maybe it went badly and you parted on bad terms. I've done this. I'll talk about this shortly, but... Uh, I've got stories about this myself. So uh, this this argument is still not airtight because there were other people working on this that Sega could have been in contact with. So a representative from Sega is quoted in this article saying, we certainly didn't mean to dredge up painful memories for Tim and company, now I'm paraphrasing, or appear disrespectful. We have removed the line from the Steam copy. We were talking about our build that we ported to PC, not the original work when they say janky and buggy. I'm going to give them plausible deniability on this because for a few reasons. For one thing, if they didn't mean that, this was super mean-spirited and like very unusual for Sega. You can say what you want about Sega. Sega's pretty cool when dealing with, certainly with players, with um, indie developers who are doing games kind of close to what Sega does, or people make fan games, people who are doing Dreamcast homebrew stuff. These are all things I've covered as a journalist, and Sega's unusually cool, whereas Nintendo would sue the crap out of you immediately. Sega's awesome. Like, I've, I've told stories about the uh, Dreamcast homebrew scene doing their own booth at one of the big um, game shows in, I don't know, I think Europe. And people from Sega stopped at the, the booth and everybody kind of held their breath for a second and they looked around and went like, oh my God, this is great. You guys are awesome. I'm so glad you guys are here. Let us know if you need anything, you know? And certainly people have asked Sega for different things pertaining to homebrew, which Sega has of course not done. But, you know, you can find on Twitter where Sega's like, we love the Sonic fan games. We love the Dreamcast stuff. We love that you guys love our stuff. 
that's very unusual from a company. And so I understand the dynamics going to be different with studio partners. That's a little trickier business. This would certainly be the first time I heard of Sega putting a commissioned work up online and making fun of it after firing the studio that did it and going, here, you guys can have this. It sucks. That seems a little drastic, right? So it's it's a little more of a stretch that they say, like, when we say that, we were talking about our work in porting this to the PC. But I, I haven't looked for, like, reports of the thing crashing or, you know, it not running right on Windows or, you know, certain operating systems. If there's any any hint of that, this could be true, what they're saying. So I, I don't think Sega handled this well. But the problem is 2013, super long time ago. Think of the world in 2013. Totally different planet, right? So a lot has changed. I really doubt that the same people who like cut these guys loose before and canceled their project, I really doubt those are the same people putting this up on Steam. These people probably have no idea what happened back then. You know, I'm sure the first time Tim, uh, Tim Dawson, did I say? Yeah, Tim. Da- I'm sure the, the first time Tim Dawson's name came up to the person at Sega who was responsible for this, they probably had to Google him or email somebody and go, who is this person? I don't think this was personal. I, I get why it was so personal for Tim, for sure. But there's also an element of Sega's a giant company and their biggest sin is probably being big and sluggish and the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So if, if they messed up anything, I don't, I don't think it's malice or evil. I think it's just big, slobbish, sluggish company. Blah, 60 years old. You know, they're doing the best they can, right? So, so to kind of sum this up, I like Tim's work. I really like Tim's work and his team's work. I, I think he has super hurt feelings about this. And I'm not saying that in a mean way. Like, I get it. I've been in situations kind of like this and I don't blame him for having bad memories. If he did anything wrong in 2013, he should have never agreed to do this prototype in two weeks. That is an indicator of a company that's not doing the right thing and has a bad plan and they've got a project that's not going to go any better if this prototype gets approved. I have put my money where my mouth is on this before. Some of you know I used to be a freelancer who did a lot of work on Upwork because Upwork actually does have a pretty big market for to-order game development work. So like a small organization will go, we would like a game that does the following. A teacher will go, I need an interactive experience for my kids. There's a decent amount of work for like a Unity developer or an Unreal developer. You can find clients without too much trouble. And I've drummed up decent business that way. However, I've also turned many people down for a couple of reasons. One, if somebody doesn't get back to me when they say they will, like during the planning and bidding stages and stuff, I know that's going to be a mess. I turn those down. I am brutal about that. And I I will tell them like it's not personal. I just have seen enough indicators now and I've seen the way things have gone in the past often enough that I I suspect this is going to be trouble and I want to avoid that for both of us. I would encourage you to sort of regroup and figure out what you need and proceed with somebody else. And I'm out. That's it. And I mean, I have pissed some people off with that. Well, we want to move forward with this. So we chose you. I don't know. I'm out. No longer an option. Good day. 
even if it was Sega, if Sega came to me tomorrow and said, if you can do this in Unity in two weeks, we will give you an entire game and you will develop the next Golden Axe for Sega and you will go down in history. I would tell them, of course, I'm not going to do that. In two weeks, what's wrong with you? Can't do it. Now, Tim's better at this than I am. I've played his games. I can, I can promise you. He knows more than I do. He does better work. And, and I'm glad because I like his work and I wouldn't enjoy my own work as much as I like Tim's. But Tim shouldn't have tried this either. He got caught up in AAA business. He was an indie who got caught up in the big time and it steamrolled him like it steamrolls everyone. I get it. This is how it goes. I'm sure Sega also didn't enjoy when their studio, Sega Studios Australia, shut down in, I guess, 2013, which is what this really ran into, was a studio closure. I'm sure they weren't any happier about that than anyone. They were just looking to, you know, put some of their commissioned work to good use. And they weren't even charging for it. They thought they were doing something great. Like, look what we can repurpose. We've got this prototype. Isn't this interesting? Here you go, kids. You know? And everyone was immediately angry. Now, they, they should have handled it a little differently, like I said. But they were they were trying to do something cool. I think the person, like, they kept, they these guys kept bringing up, nobody talked to us, nobody talked to us. I think the person they reached out to was probably the producer who ordered this up or someone else on the team. They just had different contacts for the team. I get why this felt personal, but you have to consider on the other side, there's someone who has no idea why anyone's mad about this. Like we just put out this thing. Why is this guy all pissed off? I feel like there was communication that could happen where everybody could sort of understand this a little better. And it's worth doing if the person you're mad at is Sega. Now, maybe you've decided, like, I would never work with these guys again. I get that, too. But Sega could still do something to credit you. They could do the right thing. And it doesn't sound like anyone tried. I, I kind of had a lesser version of this with, um, with Lenovo, actually. My Upwork stuff ramped up and up and up. And I started partnering with a local studio who also took jobs from Upwork and used their team to get them done. Like, it was a whole thing. Got some real momentum there. And this studio came to me like, hey, we're going to bid on a contract. They did not tell me who it was for. They said, we're going to send you a thing and you can look it over and tell us. And it turned out Lenovo was going to a huge conference for VR stuff. And they needed a Unity developer to program a bunch of interactions in this demo. And I worked my butt off for a long time. Not a long time, but we had like a short period of time where it was like very intense development sending stuff back and forth. Communication was strained because there was a studio between us and them and I wasn't getting feedback. So I was like hoping that they were liking what I was sending and what I was doing. And, um, in the end I sent off the final version of it based on very little guidance. So I was very nervous and I eventually heard back, Oh, the studio loves it. They love, they love the work. They're very happy with it. And I said, Oh my God, great. So I didn't hear much back. And I watched the social media stuff from Lenovo as they were at this conference. It was so cool to see people trying this thing I made or helped make, obviously. And the boss of the studio I partnered with, who was under the contracted studio, we were kind of a ghostwriting studio, if you want to call it that. But the leader of the studio I was working with goes, dude, you did such great work and they're so happy. I'm going to try to get you some recognition here. Like I'm going to try to get them to sort of shout you out on social or you know, put our names on something and, you know, when they release it to the public later or, or whatever. And I, when he said that, 
instead of me banking on that, I kind of went, you know, buddy, I, I don't I don't think they're going to go for that. Right. Like, I really doubt. First of all, I doubt they want to even talk about how they contracted this out because they're Lenovo. It's a big deal. I doubt they wanted to say, like, we got a third party studio to do this. And I double doubt that they wanted to say the studio that we subcontracted this out to subcontracted out a piece of it to you. So, I mean, I, I doubt that they wanted to go. Also, big props to the studio that contracted with the studio that contracted with us. Like, I, that's not the way the it's like a ghostwriter being like, put my name on the front cover now. It's like, no, we had a, we had an understanding and it's not fun, but that's that's the business. That's how this goes. It's decent money and there are good opportunities. You you network well, but if you do a good job, like it doesn't really matter. And if you do a bad job, it's it's just business. Like you've got so many hours during so many days and you just do whatever they want up to it, including just running in place so that they feel better. And when it's done, it's done. It's just punch the clock work. And it's not nearly that cool, luxurious, glamorous adventure that is other game development. Any other game development is you've got a chance to really make a name for yourself. Like contracting and subcontracting, you you basically won't. If you're lucky, you will get to put Lenovo's name on your, you know, clients list on your website or like, look at something we did. Uh, sometimes you won't get to do that. So I personally was not under NDA for this. So not a big deal that I would talk about it. But but I, I get it. It's not as glamorous. It's not as fun. And it can lead to like hurt feelings like real easy. In general, I think Sega's pretty cool. Like I said, they, they treat people a lot better than Nintendo does or many other companies. So, I mean, you're going to do better with Sega than most other companies. I think they just, they didn't know what was really going on with this thing they had on their server somewhere. And it, it maybe shouldn't have been such a big deal. And they probably should have just done something else, you know, throw players some special screen savers or whatever. And let's, let's all go on our way. Cause I mean, best case scenario, people were going to play this really like it and go, man, I wish you guys had made this game and Sega would have gone. Well, we didn't. And we all would have moved on. They weren't going to pick up a seven, eight year old project. Wasn't going to happen. So there was really nowhere to go but down, right? I don't think they thought this through. Yeah, takeaways. There's subcontracting work out there. You can do it. But you got to understand it is not the same as chasing the indie dream or trying to break into the industry. It's not either one of those things. It is you punch the clock, you try to do a good job. And you go try to find another job like that is it. It's it. It's a great way to learn. It's a good way to get badass. Sharpen the skills, cut down your times, improve your planning. But that's it. That is it. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, please subscribe wherever you like to listen to these things. It'll just let you know we're doing more shows and more content. We're going to fit in extra stuff, interviews when I get the chance again. There'll be all kinds of things you won't want to miss. So subscribe and you will know about them. Please consider dropping us a rating or a review. I see those ratings come through. I appreciate them. And it, it has an immediate impact every time. So consider that if you're on the Spotify side, hit that follow button. There are anything like that you can do. Tell a friend if you enjoy it. We have show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. We have a CodeWritePlay Discord server where we're hanging out, sharing what we're doing. It's just a nice place to be all over social media. I am Mechatodzilla with one D and two L's on Twitter. 
Code Right Play has a Twitter account. Game Dev Pod is the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast Twitter at Game Dev Pod. And uh, I love hearing from you guys how you're enjoying the shows, topics that are on your mind, feedback. I'll take it. Come one, come all. That's how we like to do it. So that's it for this time. Send ideas. We'll talk about them. Otherwise, I'll just bring you more of what's going on. Todd Mitchell here. Catch you next week. Thanks, everybody. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me.